Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, not Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Rob Gaudet, filling in for Linnea Hubbard, who is off training her racing reindeer for the Sitka Quinquennial Sleigh Competition. Earlier this week, she was at the United Nations headquarters in New York City, rearranging flags and trying to get them to do literally anything. Her trip to the UN is totally unrelated to the placard of Muscovia Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov mysteriously going missing. I also want to apologize for yesterday's episode. Yulia is truly a fantastic podcaster, but only had two hours to record and edit. You can find her debut podcast with Ukrainian platform Svidomi Media, called FAQU, Ukraine Explained. Give it a listen, follow her on TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. The links are in the description of today's episode. I am not responsible for the content or editing of this podcast. You can follow me on TikTok at Rob underscore Gaudette. That's R-O-B underscore G-A-U-D-E-T-T-E for TikTok and all my social media accounts. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Today is June 13th, 2023, and it has been 3,394 days since Russia occupied the Crimea Peninsula on January 27th, 2014, and one year and 109 days since Russia expanded its war against Ukraine. Today's podcast covers the events that happened yesterday. Let's start with the daily assessment. We assess the following. 1. Our earlier assessment that the infighting between Russian Minister of Defense, Sergei Shoigu, and private military company, PMC, leader Yevgeny Prigozhin, could create instability within the Russian Federation is inching closer to accuracy, with the Kremlin seeking to subjugate Wagner mercenaries under the Russian Ministry of Defense and Prigozhin's language becoming more bellicose. 2. A compelling body of evidence indicates that on June 6, 2023, between 0225 and 0250 hours local time, Russian occupiers blew up the Kohovka Hydroelectric Power Plant, or HPP, the dam structure, or both, causing its catastrophic failure. 3. We maintain that Ukrainian forces have completed shaping operations and have started the next phase of the counteroffensive, launching subordinate attacks in three areas. 4. Poor weather has slowed the operational tempo for both combatants. 5. We maintain the Russian MOD is in a chaotic state, incapable of creating mission cohesion between penal units, MOBICs, conscripts, elite forces, PMCs, and proxy forces. And 6. Russian Chief of Staff Karasimov and Defense Minister Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. Let's talk about the Russian front. Hours after signing their military contracts with the Russian MOD, Chechen troops are being deployed to the Bielgorod region to secure the border. Historically, Chechen Oman forces have made no distinction between Ukrainian and Russian civilians and Ukrainian and Russian soldiers when committing acts of violence. Russian mail blogger Romanov92 reported that Bielgorod residents were suspicious of the Chechen troops, writing, quote, The locals are also worried and hope that the number of looting will not grow, end quote. 
armchair general Romanov 92 is very upset about potential looting going on and this translation work is not good. I do not understand. Thank you for your understanding. Pictures from the Russian state media agency, creatively named SHOT, spelled S-H-O-T, show that the train that derailed near Alexevka was attacked. Russian officials claim the tracks were hit by a drone just in front of the train, and the rear of the train was hit by a second drone, derailing 15 railroad cars and mangling several. In the Krasnodar Krai region, Russian radio stations were hacked by elements of the Free Russian Legion, or FPL, announcing that the liberation of Crimea was coming soon and war criminals would be, quote, destroyed. The same message was broadcasted in parts of Kursk and Tumen. According to the Russian state media agency MASH, an oil depot is on fire in Krasnodar. There is no other information at the time of recording. Moving on to the Kharkiv region. During the night of June 12th, the city of Kharkiv was attacked by Shahed-136 kamikaze drones and two caliber cruise missiles launched from the Black Sea. There was little information at the time of recording, with reports that civilian infrastructure was targeted, damaging a utility company in the Kiev district and a warehouse in the Saltivsky district. There was no information about casualties. The Donbass region continues to be the most active area in Ukraine, starting in Luhansky. In the Lysychansk operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian forces continued attempts to advance on Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansky, without success. Otherwise, there was only harassment attacks and artillery exchanges. That should, that should say were. Moving now to northeastern Donetsk. In the Solidar operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces, supported by the Russian Air Force, also known as the VKS, attempted to advance in the area of Vesele without success. Russian mercenary mill blogger War Gonzo reported that Russian forces attempted to advance in the direction of Vasukivka and had to return to their defensive positions. In northwest Bakhmut, War Gonzo reported that Russian forces attempted to advance in the direction of Orikovko Vasilivka, and Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations in Berkivka in the direction of Yehidne. There have been reports of Ukrainian gains, but we are waiting for pictures and videos we can geolocate to confirm the situation. In Bakhmut, there was no significant change, and we maintain that Ukrainian forces hold 3% of the city in three pockets including southeast of Romove, the Letak region, and in the community gardens south of school number two. Further south, in the Klishkiivka operational area, the GSAFU reported that there was positional fighting south of Ivaniske, with Russian attempts to advance to previously lost positions failing. Wargonzo reported that Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations in the direction of Klishkiivka, and a Russian attack in the direction of Bilehora, supported by the VKS, failed. Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense, Hanna Maliar, stated that in the last week, Ukrainian forces had liberated 16 square kilometers of territory in the Bakhmut operational area, including the north and south flanks and Bakhmut itself. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon.com at Malcontent News. Leo. Anyways. 
Moving to southwestern Donetsk in the Avdiivka operational area, the 1st Army Corps, supported by the VKS and a large artillery barrage on civilian areas, attempted to advance on Avdiivka without success. War Gonzo reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive, attacking in the direction of Vodyane and Optinye, but provided no other information. The Russian MOD claimed that Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations in the area of Pervomaiske. In the Marinka operational area, let me check the calendar. Yes, it's a day that ends in, quote, Y, end quote. Chechen forces of the Akhmat 54th Motor Rifle Brigade and the Russian 5th Motor Rifle Brigade of the 1st Army Corps launched 14 attacks on the Ukrainian defense positions in Marinka and were unable to move the line of conflict. The Russian MOD claimed that Ukrainian forces had gone on the offensive north of Marinka and were attacking the Russian and Chechen flanks. In the Lublyanka Stellaramivka operational direction, Ukrainian forces consolidated their gains from the latest week. Semyon Pegov of Wargonzo admonished Russian mill bloggers who are spreading false information about the situation south of Velkanovasilka, writing, quote, There is an advance of the enemy, and it would not be possible to deny it, no matter how much you call the blue zone a gray area. By drawing non-existent advances, we are doing ourselves a disservice. End quote. Chief Content Officer's Note The reference to the Blue Zone is aimed at Russian mill bloggers and propagandists, including Rebar, Work Brothers, and Ryadovka, among others, who use blue to indicate areas of Ukrainian control and red to show areas of Russian control. All three claim that Ukrainian forces had been knocked out of Makarivka, which Wargonzo, in video proof, shows as a false claim. Russian forces did launch a counteroffensive on Logodatne, which failed. Fighting continued in Yorozaine, Rinoropivets, where Russian forces had moved to a tree line on the village's southern edge and toward Pruinite from Livnane, which was liberated on June 11th. Deputy Minister of Defense Mylar reported that between the Orkiv operational area and the Lubyanka Stalaraminka operational direction, Ukrainian forces had liberated 90 square kilometers of territory. We estimated in a flash report that within the Lubyanka Stalaraminka operational direction, 83 square kilometers were liberated. Chief Content Officer's Note We thank our secret team of Ukrainian hedgehogs who provide intelligence on the line of conflict and keep our map updated. Geolocated pictures confirm that Novodarivka on the Zaporizhia-Donetsk administrative border was liberated by the Ukrainian Zaporizhia Territorial Defense Brigade. Here's what we know about the situation in Zaporizhia. In the Orkiv operational area, poor weather and soil conditions slowed operational tempo, but fighting continued along a wide axis. Ukrainian forces are making incremental gains in the direction of Robortinye, and Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations toward Priakiatika and Zerbrinkiakie. Several videos show captured Russian positions, equipment, and POWs, that's prisoners of war. One unusual find was department store-style mannequins. Last year, pictures were published showing mannequins at the entrance of Robizhne and Luhansky in a Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome display. In this case, they were laying around the former Russian defensive position. 
One theory is the plan was to use them as decoys for drones because the other possibility would be yikes. Yikes means death, like murder. You're dead, killed. The link to the pictures is included in our daily situation report, as are many sources we reference in the podcast. You can become a Patreon. No, you can become a patron on Patreon to get more in-depth coverage and written flash report updates between podcasts. The link is in the description. Just so we're clear, Patreon is the platform in which you can become a patron. That seems to confuse some people. Thank you. Civilian housing in Orekiv was hit by three Fab 500SE UPMK glide bombs, killing one person and wounding another. At the Kohovka Reservoir, the Ministry of Environment reported that the reservoir had lost 72% of its volume, with outflow slowing significantly. Gauge depth information is unavailable due to the sensors being fouled with silt, but the drop in water level has significantly slowed. In occupied Zaporizhia, the railroad depot in Melitopol was attacked by rockets fired by HIMARS, destroying at least one diesel locomotive and multiple fuel cars. Reports that the entire depot was destroyed were inaccurate. A seaside resort in Primorsk, commandeered by Chechen Akhmat, was hit by at least one Storm Shadow cruise missile, destroying the building. There are reports there are heavy casualties, which we could not confirm at the time of recording. Russian news source, I'm pretty sure it's German, Develt alleges Russia has committed up to 90% of its reserve force to Zaporizhia, while Ukraine utilizes only 25% of its previously prepared reserves theater-wide. We cannot verify the report, but on June 1st, 2023, Russia had an estimated 150,000 troops in occupied Zaporizhia, almost 50% of their total force. There wasn't much information about the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, but here's what we know. As the water level dropped, anti-amphibious mines around the ZNPP became exposed and are now sticking out of the mud. Here's what we know about what is happening in the Black Sea, occupied Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa. In the Black Sea, a Kilo-class submarine returned to port in Sevastopol and was replaced by a frigate carrying up to eight missiles. Operational Command South didn't release information on the total number of vessels on patrol, and insurgents in Sevastopol didn't publish pictures of fleet activity. In Mykolaiv, along the Inghilets River, there is an unacceptable level of Isherisha coli, or E. coli, with Mykolaiv Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Vitaly Kim asking people not to swim or eat or sell fish caught from the river. Additionally, as the waters are receding, they're appealing for residents not to explore the mudflats because mines and unexploded munitions may have been exposed and swept into previously demined areas. Governor Kim reported that 541 homes have been flooded and occupants and owners would receive national, oblast, and local assistance. Here is a situation in western and central Ukraine. In Free Kherson, Russian forces continue to shell the civilian areas of Kherson randomly. Ukrainian officials confirm that 10 people had died due to the flooding, and 41 are missing. 31 communities are still experiencing flooding, with 3,653 homes inundated. A 21-hour curfew has been declared in the Korabel microdistrict of Kherson, which saw some of the most severe flooding and has been under constant artillery strikes. Humanitarian aid will be distributed from 1,200 to 1,500 hours local time. In addition, 
Herson Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Alexander Prokudin reminded residents not to visit the banks of the reservoir and former swimming areas due to the danger of unexploded mines and munitions. Quote, Due to the martial law and emergency situation in the region, the summer recreation season is prohibited. It is about visiting and staying in places of mass recreation, beaches, reservoirs, forest park zones, end quote. The following is a health alert that Ukrainian officials have asked us to pass along. If you experience stomach distress, including diarrhea, vomiting, and severe stomach pain, accompanied by fever, do not attempt to self-treat and seek medical attention immediately. We reiterate that no cases of cholera or other waterborne diseases have been reported anywhere in Ukraine. Seeking medical help if you start to display symptoms of waterborne illness will help early discovery, proper treatment, and prevent a larger epidemic. Thank you. Ukraine's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Dmitry Kuleba, said that the United Nations and, shockingly, the International Committee of the Red Cross have started providing humanitarian aid to the affected population on the right bank of the Kherson Oblast. He also said that a UN mission has already been formed and is ready to go to the left or east bank of the Dnipro, which is occupied by Russian forces. They require security guarantees from Russian military commanders. Kuleba said, quote, According to our agreement, which we reached last Thursday with the UN, such a mission has been formed. They sent a request for security guarantees to Ukraine and Russia. Ukraine immediately provided such guarantees. Russia has not responded yet. End quote. In the Dnipropetrovsk Oblast, Russian missiles slammed into a multi-story apartment building in Kriviri, setting five floors on fire. At the time of recording, there were 11 confirmed dead and 28 wounded, with 12 still in hospital. Three more people were hospitalized after a private business collapsed, with more people possibly trapped in the rubble. Four more were injured at a trucking company, and a farm building was destroyed. Floodwaters receding near Nikopol exposed a mass grave that had been lost under the waters of the Kohovka Reservoir. It is unknown whether this was an earlier graveyard covered by the Dnipro River when the water was impounded, or a former Nazi or Soviet Union mass gravesite from World War II or the Holodomor. Finally, here's what's happening across the theater of war. Russia launched 14 KH-101 or KH-555 cruise missiles from nine TU-N95MS strategic bombers, with one reportedly experiencing an engine fire during its sortie. Ukrainian air defenses intercepted 10 missiles, mostly in the Kyiv region. Four Shahed-136 kamikaze drones were launched, with one intercepted and the other three striking Kharkiv. Two caliber cruise missiles were also launched at Kharkiv and were not intercepted. Ukraine and Moldova announced the two nations would build a bridge across the Dniester River from Yampil in the Venetia region to Kasut in the Sorotsky district of Moldova. The two-lane bridge will be almost 1.5 kilometers long. When completed, it will provide the shortest route from central Ukraine to central and southeastern Europe while bypassing the unrecognized Russian Republic of Transnistria. Last year, we reported on Eggate and the accusations that Ministry of Defense employees were padding food purchases for personal enrichment. The State Audit Service confirmed that Ukrainian Ministry of Defense's purchase of eggs at 17 hryvnias per piece equal to 46 cents an egg in U.S. currency. 
Minister Oleksiy Reznikov denied that eggs were purchased at the price while the investigation started in the fall. Reznikov tried to deflect the story, claiming the price wasn't per egg, but per kilogram, and he was a victim of a smear campaign in the press. The audit revealed that one contract would misappropriate 4 billion hryvnias, over 108 million U.S. dollars. Reznikov was dismissed from his role and was notified of suspension of fraud in late 2022. Okay, this is my note here. Although this script says Reznikov was dismissed, and there were rumors that he was dismissed at the time, Minister Reznikov is still the Minister of Defense of Ukraine. Even three weeks ago, on May 25th, 2023, the United States Defense Secretary issued a readout after meeting with him. And that's what we know. Tune in tomorrow to join Yulia, who will take the microphone. I strongly encourage you to visit Yulia's YouTube page, which is found in the link in the description. Insert my catchy personalized catchphrase here. (laughs) Um, no. I'm just gonna end it. Outro, outro time. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.